Amen. 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 Well, it's really great. I mean, again, I don't know if you guys know, but I think you should know that we have pre-service prayer at 415. And I just really am thankful at how the Lord has used that to just confirm things about um, either what people need to share or just what's going on. Um, Tonight, I felt the Lord really impressed in my heart the importance of Someone mentioned it earlier about some fundamental things that we need to return to uh, as we enter into this year. How many of you know this is the month of resolutions? This is where many promises are made with a great passion. People are gun hole, the fitness, you know, LA Fitness, Planet Fitness, they're all filled. People are manifesting in there. And by the time it's February, you know, that Flatus Fitness looks exactly the way it looked like <laughs> in September and October of the previous year. <laughs> so one of the things that we want to talk about tonight is the, the need for us to be consistent. Um, so <clears throat> I'm going to start with a little bit of the background of cross-culture church. Start there. Because I think it's important for us to understand part of our DNA, Right? I know that I walk around and talk to a lot of different leaders, and they ask us, you know, who's your covering, and how do you guys start? What denomination are you out of? Right? Where do you come out of? And I just tell them, listen, we came out of a time of prayer. You know, I think it's very important for us to understand that what God has called us to as a church is something that has a history in God's heart. There are things that God breathed into a group of us where we knew that this is God and we need to step into this and it was going to be uncomfortable and things were going to be different. It was going to really challenge us. And even in in the pre-service prayer, the Lord told me, the reason why I gave you the name Cross Culture was because of my breaking heart of believers not picking up their cross. The lack of a cross being picked up by many people who call themselves Christians. So we're going to start there. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Because I think one of the things that someone we were singing earlier was this, you know, let us not lose our one. Angie shared about one of the key fundamental things for every cross of Jesus Christ. It literally... Talk about things you want to experience for God, but and I think the key part suggests he is saying is a requirement for us to experience that. In Matthew 6, 16, 24, Jesus says to the disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Part of why there's so much opposition to us picking up the cross is because when we do, we are declaring our partnership with God. We are saying, hey, I want to identify with you. Jesus says, identification is one of the biggest themes in the Bible. I mean, literally, Jesus came down and put on flesh. That's serious identification. He said, listen, I want to identify with you, but I'm also going to give you a cross so that you can identify with me. I'm going to go on that cross. I'm going to reveal my love to you. But the only way you can really truly identify with me is if you pick up your cross. 
This is why even, even earlier, the Lord was, I mean, I was weeping earlier because the Lord was literally letting me feel what Paul felt in Philippians 3. What Paul was, the Bible says he was tearing up because there were people who walked, believers, who were enemies of the cross. They had God, Jesus Christ. God. The Bible is saying that, the, that their appetite is their God. This is what they truly serve, is their desires, their feelings. And I, and I just felt, I felt the sense in the spirit, the gap between what we say with our lips, what we want to see, but then the gap of like, I don't want to pick up that cross. But I still want to experience all that, you know, is in your heart, God, your desires and your love and all these things. But man, that cross, man, it's not for me, man. It's like, it's like that resolution. We look at the cross like it's a resolution. Like, man, I'm going to pick it up. <laughs> and then in February, we're like, oh, it's gone. What happened to it? And then we have these kind of ups and downs with God, and we're like, we need the Holy Spirit to break off this attitude that the cross is optional. That it's just something that God wants to hear us promise that we're going to take up. Like, if we're making him happy, that we're making this promise. Like, if we want the life of Jesus Christ, man, this is the doorway. It's interesting. It took a cross to reveal heaven's heart. It took a cross to reveal the heart of God in the world. So why wouldn't it take a cross for us to reveal the love of God in this generation? It's not, it's not like God's making up something new. He's saying, listen, I have my cross, and I revealed the love of God through that cross. Now you're in this generation. You need a cross as well to reveal my heart to people. There's no other way to do this. We can play religious games, or we can go to services, or we can get on YouTube, we can listen to messages, but that cross is really the giant elephant in the room. You're going to pick it up or you're not. And if you don't pick it up, now you're going to be talking about theology. Now you're going to be talking about facts. Right? Because think about it. The reason why we have legalism is because there are people who know a lot of facts about Jesus. They know the rules. They know the law. So they're, they're more legalistic. And they'll lean on that. That's where their faith is. And then you have other people who don't nothing, nothing about Jesus, and they're on the other side like, man, I'm going to just do whatever I want. And then you got a group like in the middle that's like, man, you know what, God's so good, and, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. And then you're kind of torn in the middle. Like, there's like this going back and forth between being too legalistic, you know, oh, I don't want to get disciplined because that's legalistic. But at the same time, I want to be able to do what I want to do. So it's like this lukewarmness the book of Revelation talks about. Right? Those things are dealt with through the cross you're supposed to bear. But this is what we're dealing with in mass, not in minor, but in mass in our culture. I really firmly believe that the reason why the Lord, he told me, the reason why I gave you cross culture as a name was to bring a people to a place where they embrace that cross. They actually love the cross. They actually see it as a gift from God. They see it as a doorway to the heart of God. This is part of the renewing of the mind that we all need. This is why there's so much upcurrent against the people of God in this generation. We've been given a specific name that helps us focus in on that one thing that we need desperately in order to experience God. His power, his hope, his faith, all that is in Jesus Christ is sitting right there for us. So part of this tonight is to really help you understand 
That first cross is huge. The cross of Jesus, but it actually isn't enough. So think about that. The cross of Jesus Christ isn't enough. It's going to take two crosses. It's going to take two. For you to actually walk in maturity and in fullness, it's going to take two. Hallelujah, Jose. Praise the Lord. It's like those people walking into the fitness club at the end of January. I'm back. I'm going to keep that promise, right? There are actually, there is legitimate pain that comes with it. There is. There's inconvenience. But as we pick up this cross, what we're really saying is that our life isn't in this world. Right? What we're really saying is, man, my life isn't in this world. It's in him. He's promised to give me a life. If, 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 that's a big if, if I bear my cross. If I deny myself. If I follow him. If I'm about his business, I'm going to experience something that this world can never offer me. And this is what we're called to as a people. Not just cross culture. The church overall. But we have this name, though, that was born out of prayer. So if you're here and you're part of this community, get ready, baby. Because <laughs> even last year, I know the Lord was telling me over and over again. He kept talking about sanctification. All my messages last year were about sanctification. I don't know if you noticed that. Everything was about us being conformed into his image. Why? Because that cross, because that cross, that cross, that cross. It means everything to him. It means everything that we would finally embrace that cross. And we don't spend another year thinking about possibilities, but actually experiencing him. There's things that God has for this community that are beyond us. Way beyond us. But the doorway for those things to happen is for us as a whole to say, man, that cross is mine and I'm going to wear it. I'm not going to wear it around my neck. <laughs> I'm actually going to really truly bear my cross. Now, this leads me to my next point. This year, I really believe, and it's already happening, that people are going to discover gifts, all kind of gifts that are inside of them. Gifts are for building each other up to maturity and healing. They are not a sign of approval of your character. Pay close attention because this is the generation we're living in. It says gifts are for building each other up to maturity, even healing. They are not a sign of approval of your character. One of the wildest verses, and I'll turn to some of y'all should have a text. It's in Matthew 7. This should be highlighted in your Bible. It says, verse 21, two of this somewhere in your body. This is a good one. It says, verse 21, Not everyone who says to be Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, have we not prophesied in your name? have cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Interestingly enough, the guy is basically saying there, someone could practice lawlessness and cast out a devil. That's wild. Cast out a devil, signs and wonders, prophesied. And he says, go, depart from me, 
Now, this is a hard one to reconcile, right? Because we're like, man, some of us in our own hearts are like, man, well, God can only use me if I'm like, I got everything squared away, right? <laughs> like, we have this kind of bent towards we got to be so right in order to be used by God. I remember when God taught me this lesson. It was years ago, going to a, to a live meeting. We used to do live meetings um, when a life was going on, liberation. And I remember going to the liberation meeting, and the Lord told me, listen, there are people there who are going to demand, put a demand on the anointing. They want me badly. And I'm going to use you to prophesy tonight. And I said, Lord, I don't know. I am a hot mess right now. I got some things I'm struggling with. I don't know if I want to even go there. I was struggling to even go there. He said, no, no, no. There's a difference between my passion and love for them and the, the character issues you have. Are you willing to humble yourself and let me deal with these things? So I went there, the Holy Ghost came, people get prophesied, it was awesome. And as I walked out out of obedience, the Lord was cleansing my heart of a struggle I had. But the whole time, people were thinking, oh man, Jose, you're so great, it's amazing. Not knowing my struggles in my heart, the, the deep struggles in my heart, like God, help me. The grace of God, like, help me badly. See, I, as, I'm speaking to you as a father tonight because... I don't want you guys to get caught up in assuming character because of great manifestations. People get hurt that way. A lot of people have gotten hurt that way in the church. They equate people who just, man, godliness with these things. And that's not the way it works. Now, again, if you're mature, you're going to see these things come forward to people that are mature. That's going to happen. They've learned to steward it. They've learned not to let their heads get too big and be like, oh, man, I'm bad. I'm so awesome. <laughs> You know, I ain't got no problems. Look at me, prophet. Like, no, that's not going to happen. But at the same time, man, let's appreciate the love of God. Because I'm witness to it. Man, I was a hot mess, and he blew out that liberation meeting. Everybody got rocked. And I'm a hot mess. And it made me understand the love of God. Like, man, he won't stop. He, he is reckless. I made myself available. He used, he went through me. He did what he had to do. It was awesome. But he was so concerned about my heart. So I want to encourage you guys with that. Like, the, one of the key things for us is to abide in, like he says, in my words and in my love in John 15. We want love to be the catalyst of the giftings. We want love to be the reason why we want to be conformed into his image. We want that motive to be right. So that way we're not caught up in the gifts. We're not caught up in how strong we are. Again, we're caught up in who he is. That's why he says in John 15, abide in my love. How often do you practice that? How often do you practice in the fact that Jesus says, man, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. The Father, the way he loved Jesus, he loves you as well. Man, that's powerful, man, when you meditate on that. You're abiding in his words. You're abiding in his love. That's the doorway to spiritual, supernatural activity, man, because now you're loving through him anymore. It's not you anymore. And honestly, abiding is cross life. You wonder what the cross looks like. It's abiding. Because in abiding, you're saying, man, there's nothing in me that can produce the life of God. I am that branch. There's no way I could love people unless I'm abiding, unless I'm attached to the vine. And I love the fact that Jesus says, my father's the vine dresser. 
<laughs> he says, listen, he's going to come to prune. He's going to come to cut out things that don't need to be there. That's part of his role in your life. So there's the pain of the cross, but then there's the joy of experiencing the life of Jesus Christ as we abide in his love, abide in his words. A great example of this is in the Corinthian church. We see that Paul says that, man, that you don't lack any gift. Paul's like, man, you guys got all the gifts. You guys are doing it. But what you're not doing is, is loving one another. <laughs> so he's like, man, there's some serious character issues in this church. I mean, you got all the gifts, but I need to remind you what love is in 1 Corinthians 13. I need to remind you of the most important thing, Christ-likeness. It is the love of God that's the biggest thing. We talked about that. Someone shared the exhortation. The love of Jesus Christ. Is that the main thing that's fascinating you today? Because that love is what's going to drive you to that cross. That love is what's going to say, man, I want that cross. Because that cross, through Jesus, it expressed his love so clearly. I want his love to be expressed the same way through me. That's where that cross is needed. So, number point number three. Our homes are a temporary possession. But in the Lord's hands, a primary way God uses us to reveal his glory. Cross and gifts. It says, our homes are a temporary possession. But in the Lord's hands, a primary way God uses us to reveal his goodness, his glory. Think about the fact that we have, we're so thankful for the Fabians. They're stepping into a season where they're opening up their home. They're going to be a light in their neighborhood. Part of the DNA of this church is that very thing. You know, a year and a half ago, the Lord showed us a map, showed me a map of different house churches across the city, suburbs, all over the city. And how you take care of your home, this temple, is very important to God. Because we're not just talking about your house. Your house is, is, a, is a beautiful thing if you have one or an apartment. But the home he's really talking about is that temple. That place he, he actually lives in. That as you're ready and prepared, God can even send people into your home, into your life. I love the fact that in the, in the book of Acts where the Bible says that Cornelius, Peter was sent to Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a man ready to receive an encounter with God. The way they handled their house. They were ready to receive Paul or Peter. So steward your possessions well. Because in a drop of a notice, God could be ready to use what you have for his glory. Right? One of the ways we know that we are growing in this abiding and in this cross is the fact that how we see our possessions. Is there's, there's a direct correlation between our pocketbook, our material things, and our Christian life. There's no separating that. Right? We're growing in love with Jesus Christ. Everything's on the table. Your favorite teddy bear. Some of you kids. I love y'all. Video games. Whatever it is, God's like, man, that's mine. That's not theirs. They've actually given that to me a long time ago because of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Their hearts are burning for me. They've actually let that go a long time ago. 
So one of the things about our homes practically is you got to ask yourself some questions. How's my marriage? How's my single life? Do you pray regularly for the body? Do you pray regularly for leaders? Do you pray regularly for the lost? Because one of the things about that cross is God now has the freedom to give you his desires, his burdens. And if you find yourself praying more for me, Jeff, people who have been placed by the grace of God in this position to equip you, man, you know you're on to something. But if I'm not on your lips at all, if I'm not on your lips, <laughs> you may need to check what you believe in. It. <laughs> because listen, by the grace of God, we've been positioned, even the leaders of the house churches, we need your prayers. Desperately, we need your prayers. Do you know who the enemy wants to make the dull, that make the cross dull to the most? Do you know who, who, who he wants to make an enemy of the cross the most? It's us. It's me. If any leader in your life who's gone a little bit further than you, not better than you, not better than you, just a little bit further than you, and is dealing with arrows that you're not dealing with because they're covering you, shakabunky, they're covering you so that you can move forward in your walk, so that you can grow in the calling in your life, and we're, and we're taking shots. So don't tell me how faithful you are to Jesus if you're never praying for me. Because <laughs> I know him. <laughs> I know him. And I went through a season where I wasn't a leader and all that. And I remember the nights of weeping and crying for Pastor Steve and Pastor Tracy and all the other leaders in my life. That was part of my growth. Because I entered into his heart with things that mattered to him. Right? That was a marker. I knew I was in the life of Jesus because I would never pray for Pastor Steve. I'm praying for my bills. Praying for my new job. Praying for my next meal. Thank you, Lord, for this meal. But when it came down to his body, there was just no grid. I noticed that in my, in my younger Christian life. There was no grid. So I had to repent. I said, Lord, help me. This is turned into a gospel of Jose. And you're not going to bless the gospel of Jose. It's the way it works. Remember, you're entering into his plan, not your plan. The cross allows you to enter into his purposes for you, not what you think is best for you. You're saying, I, as intelligent as I am, as, as brilliant as I think I am, my plan is just maybe a fraction of what God wants to do. You're saying, no, no, I want to be on this side. And Jesus is saying, I, you, you, why? Wisdom. That's just the wisdom, right? The wisdom of the cross. Wisdom says, man, pick that cross up as fast as you can. That's what wisdom says. Number four. Be patient with one another. You're more of a baby than you think. This is what the Holy Ghost told me. I'm just writing out what the Holy Ghost said. Be patient with one another. You're more of a baby than you think. I know that some of us have been in the Lord for a long time. 
I've been in the Lord for 21 years, and it's radically refreshing to, to realize how much of an infant I am still. It's not depressing, refreshing. Big difference. 21 years in God since I was born. I am 21 years old. I feel 21. Except after I played basketball with kids. I'm 50 after that. <laughs> My ankle still hurts from that game. <laughs> um, but the reality is there's a required patience that we need to extend to one another. Think about a new house church starting. Think about the fact that Melo and CD have never done this before, right? Me and Jeff talk about it all the time. Like we got tricked into the cross culture. We weren't even looking to start a church. We, 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 no, it was a time of prayer, and God put it in our hearts. We're like, man, we need to obey. And we're going to have to let the Lord sort all this out. And we've learned some hard lessons. We've made some mistakes. But his grace, like someone said, his grace is sufficient. It's been more than enough. More than enough. I mean, you should find encouragement in our lives. Hallelujah. (laughs) So, that brings us back into intercession. Let's intercede deeply for each other so that God's will is done in each of our lives. Like I mentioned earlier, if you are abiding, he will share his burdens with you for others. I love the, just, I've been wanting to talk to Natalie for a little bit because I was so blessed by some of her Facebook posts over, uh, what's his name, Jayton or Jackson? And I was just so blessed by that because she said something about, I'm not going to stop praying until there's a manifestation, right? Man, that's some serious tenacity. That's the kind of tenacity I want somebody to pray for me. And, I, and I've been there praying for some of you guys in the same way. But at the same time, I'm thinking, man, think about the tenacity that could be through the Spirit. A fervent, this is why it says in James, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man or woman. There's heat there. Something is smoldering there. That God wants us to experience for one another. It's so awesome. Because you're the last person person you're thinking about when you enter into that. (laughs) You're not thinking about yourself for one second. Actually, there's an assurance that God's going to cover you in whatever your needs are. It's it's a wonderful place when you enter into those times of intercession with God. Remember, growing up isn't a guarantee. It takes time. It takes us being intentional. The enemy is working hard to keep you an infant. That's his number one strategy. Why? Because as beautiful as babies are, the first word they say is me. Mine. I remember the first time I heard my kids say that. Mine? Who taught you that? No one taught you that. I never say, hey, this is how you speak. It just came out. Naturally. Mine. I go, Wow. And it's a battle ever since. Mine, mine, mine. You got to teach them how to share. You know, man, this is such a struggle, right? Listen, the enemy is trying to get you to that place. This is, this is his number one strategy. 
Because if you think about even in Ephesians, that even the fivefold ministries are designed to equip the saints for the maturity. This is what he's looking for. The will of God is for you to mature. So you have to you know, put one and two together. If the will of God is for you to mature, then the number one strategy against your life is to keep you immature. Hallelujah. I mean, that's not rocket science. If you want to know how the devil's working against you, look at God's will and just reverse it. He wants you to look like Jesus. Well, the devil's plan is to make you look like him. And he's going to do everything he can to do that. Everything he can. And it's worked. It's worked very well. He's not a dummy as much as you guys think he's not a dummy. He's, he is not a dummy. He has created strategies to keep you as an infant. Because what is he afraid of? That you actually will become mothers and fathers. Remember, infants can't multiply. They can't reproduce. Did someone catch that? If you remain an infant, you can't reproduce. Fathers can. So this is what he's working desperately to do. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to multiply. He doesn't want to see more people come into the kingdom. And last but not least, yeah, I'm not long, guys. I'm giving you some nuggets here, just what the Lord put on my heart. And no one's giving me a weird look so far. Everyone seems to be locked in, so praise the Lord. Set goals. The four-letter word, goals. What kind of ship does not have a rudder, does not have a sail, doesn't have a compass. What kind of ship is that? What kind of ship, a boat, does not have a rudder, does not have a sail, and doesn't have a compass? What happened? A canoe who's tossed around. Who isn't going to get to that place that he needs to get to. Right? This is why, again, I know for some of y'all, maybe you're not into setting goals. But it's clear, scripturally, the goals are important. And I read one from, actually, from Paul. I love this. Because Paul isn't messing around. He makes it very clear that he has a goal in mind. Um, before I get to that passage, let me remind me of another passage where Paul says, in Second. First Corinthians chapter 2, he says, I am determined to know Christ and him crucified. Before Paul starts dealing with the Corinthian church and all the hot mess there, he's revealing his goal. This is what my heart is set on. I'm determined to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. Then in Philippians, he says this in, in, in chapter 3, verse 14. I press toward the goal. The goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, there it is, having this mind, this attitude, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So God's going to show you that this is his will. This is his goal. Even if you don't agree with it. 
God's going to say, hey, I'm going to show you what it is. <laughs> Paul, his, his trick was earlier in the chapter, I lay aside all those things from the past. So I'm, I'm leaving those things behind for the surpassing value. He says he considers it garbage for the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ and his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings and the, the opportunity to have the resurrection of the dead, the power of the resurrection in his life. So you can see why Paul has the incentive. He's like, man, I want my cross because of what's laid ahead of me. I don't want to dismiss the cross and miss out on all this fellowship and power and witness for God. There's goals that you need to prayfully ask the Lord about. Maybe it's a reading goal. Maybe you're going to read your Bible this year for the first time in your life. I mean the whole Bible, I mean, not, not just a verse. But seriously, you should really prayfully think about a course to set for this year. Because if you don't have anything, again, if there's no aim, and, and again, I'll give you another verse. I got time. We got two more hours. Praise the Lord. People's eyes open up. Let's read out of 1 Peter, chapter 1. It says here in verse 13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers. Ephesians 5 says, imitate God. You want a goal? That's a good goal. Ephesians 5. Be imitators of God. What does that practically look like for you? You ask the Holy Spirit. God, I want to set a goal this year, a godly goal, a goal that you approve of because I don't want to be aimless, right? I don't want to be just coming to house church like, where the food at? Right? I, I, we we got to get sharper. We, we got to hit the target, right? We want to be a people who, again, we're not going to let the, the goals, like, master over us like we're being legalists. But we're also not saying, man, I don't want to have anything to keep me going in the right direction. You need something to keep you going in the right direction. And if you fail, like someone said earlier, it's all right. The Plato analogy. Praise the Lord for the Plato. The, the, the reality is we can't quit because we don't make the mark right away. Some of us are not used to setting goals. That really is okay. God's patient. He understands that. He understands that you still don't think right in order to make that goal. But if you continue to humble yourself and start over and start over, maybe instead of three months, it may take you six months, but you made it. Maybe you wanted it to happen in four months, but it happens in 12 months. You made it. Right? God, things that God wants you to experience, to walk in. Because it's easy for us, especially, again, we, we, everyone has their own definition of lounging up, you know, vegging out. 
But when that happens and you don't have any goals, any kind of things set before you, boy, can we drift. And we can drift a long way if we're not careful. One of the things I felt convicted about this year was to set goals. I, I, I shipped it out to a brother as accountability. Hey, listen, man, you, you have the right to speak into my life about this. I want people speaking into my life about this. I don't want another year go by where we're just, you know, just flying off of the seat of our pants. God is bringing more structure into this body for a reason. He's doing that purposely. His heart's the same. His heart's the same. But structure isn't bad, guys. Structure is not a bad thing. Are we willing to step out of routine? Yeah, because we want to follow the Spirit. Sometimes God's going to take us out of the routine. But the purpose never changes. That never changes. And if we're not praying through these things, I mean, I, you know, I fear that we're going to just spend 12 months and we're going to look back and like, man, what kind of growth did I really have in these particular areas of my life? I'm not even sure I grew. You probably didn't even grow because you weren't intentional about these things. Paul makes it clear what his goal is. There's someone that we could follow. That's why we have each other to encourage each other when we do make mistakes. Man, listen, man, I messed up. and I, I, I want to hit this. I want to make this. Be patient with one another, but at the same time, man, be willing to challenge one another, too. People are acting like kids. I mean, I mean, we're living in the weird times where, man, you challenge somebody, everybody gets super sensitive. Like, call what on me? Call what number on me? Like, what's going on? Like, no, we're, we got to toughen up, man. We have a world that is, I mean, literally asking us questions about the faith that we believe. Why do you believe a Jewish carpenter hung on a cross 2,000 years ago for you? We, we look like fools, especially if there's no cross being bared. See, now, if there's power, if you're walking in the, the power that Jesus Christ has for you, you have no problem with them asking you questions. But the reason why the Christian gets offended with these questions is because he has no fellowship with God. And now he has to use his mind to defend God. He has to use his study. You know, like, well, this and that, this and that. You got all, you know, in your flesh. Like, what are you talking about? You know, no, in the God's power, you ain't got to do none of that. <laughs> we ain't got to do none of that fighting or, def- you know, no, no, no. God has provided something for us to step into. And in 2 Timothy talks about that. Be ready to give the unbeliever a reasonable answer for the faith you believe in. Be ready. So, again, it speaks into the importance of not being aimless. How are we going to be ready if we're just lounging up and not having any goals? The enemy is ready. He is dead set. He is planning. He's scheming. He's on target. He, he knows what he's trying to do. And then we're sitting back like, man, you know, what's up, man? We're going to watch that Netflix show. For, you know, what, 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 are you, what are you talking about? That's right, because he's afraid of you. He's afraid of anyone who's genuinely born again, who has the potential to actually express the life of Christ in their generation. He hates that the most, 
And this is why, again, we go back to that foundational piece. As the, as the cross of Jesus wrecked you, has that bloody cross, that agony on the cross, wrecked your heart to the point where you're like, man, I, I'm more than happy to take up my cross because you took that cross up for me. You died in agony to reveal your love to me. Now I have the privilege, the privilege to pick up my own cross. And this is why even this year we're going you know, to have a corporate fast. We want you to be people who master your appetites. You understand that? We're not interested in you being mastered by an appetite. Right? We're, we're not interested in that. We don't, if you start, if the Holy Ghost is mastering you, if Adonai, the Lord, is mastering you, there's something supernatural happening. That the unbeliever will not be like, oh, wow, well, who is this Jesus? No, they're going to want to know who your Jesus is. I love that, that passage where they say, man, how must we be saved, right? Like they're asking, hey, man, just tell us how to be saved because we're seeing this happen. This is crazy. This is wild. But this, we're, we're going to be doing that this year, man. Some of us are going to be going on 40-day fast. Some of us 21-day fast. Some of us 10-day fast. We're going to give you materials, all kind of stuff to position you to grow up. Because 2018 is about growing up. 2018 is about legitimate steps of growth. And if you're willing to humble yourself and recognize the areas where you're an infant, humble yourself. Say, Lord, this is not your will. You want me to be a father here. You want to be Adonai here. You want to be master here. Man, we're going to see some great things. Now, we may be, it doesn't mean the church is going to blow up and we're going to have 500 people here. Who knows what's going to happen? But I'd rather have 50 people who are grounded in his love and maturing than 1,000 people who just want to watch Netflix for four hours. And they're paying their tithes. We got no problem with the budget. But there's no maturity happening. There's no maturity happening. This is why our growth as a church has been slow. Because God has purposely put his foot on the brake. He says, no, I don't want you to think that growth looks like numbers. I don't want that. I want something, I want a people who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that calls us into bearing that cross. He says, you got that cross. I want to bless you with that cross. Come on, grab that cross. Come on, enter into fellowship with me. Enter into the heart, my passions. Man, there's no lack there. Like we were, I mean, the whole, the whole sermon was shared through these exhortations in the songs. I'm just repeating what the song said and what people were saying, sharing at the beginning. So... That's it, guys. That's what I feel the Lord has called us, wanted to share with you guys. Um, definitely want to take some time to pray. Just for whoever wants prayer in these areas, man, again, it's the will of God. Sanctification is the will of God. For some of y'all, if you're a single man and you're messing with fornication, flee fornication. Repent of it. 
any known sin, man, any known sin that you're aware of, man, go back to the Father. He can cleanse you of all unrighteousness, all of the mess that keeps you staying as a baby. He can cleanse it all. He can. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the cross that you called us to bear. The Lord, as we do this as a unit, there's going to be tremendous times of revival of your face being expressed in different areas. Albany Park, Dunning, Montclair, Logan Square, God, Lockport, even more in this city. I thank you for even Portage Park. All of these areas that need a witness of your face. Lord, we've been called by you to not be ashamed of the gospel. Lord, help us in many ways. Just crash into our lives to help us see the value of maturing God. Help us enter into deep intercession for one another. Lord, Lord, that we are sensing and feeling affections that we never have experienced before. Things that are deep in your heart that you're saying, man, I want you to experience this. I want you to work with me, co-labor with me for the forming of Christ in us. Lord, I ask you, Father, that you would give everyone in this room godly goals this year. That we would not be aimless in our conduct. We would be people who are seeing the prize, as Paul said in Philippians 3. There's a prize of the upward call. And that we say, man, these goals are from you, and you're going to give me the grace to accomplish them. Lord, I ask you, Father, that we would never equate the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit as maturity. That when we're really loving each other as you've loved us, then we can say, man, we're growing. We're really truly going because love is the motive of our hearts. Your love, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that patience that we need for one another. When we make our mistakes, when we're learning about our gifts, when we we drop the ball. God, I pray that we would extend patience to one another. That we would remember that we're still an infant in many ways in our own lives. Thank you for the future house church leaders in this place. Thank you that they don't have to be pastors to open their home. They just have to obey you. They just have to trust you. Thank you for the people healed. Thank you for the people discipled. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the many souls that you want to touch this year. Thank you for even the mission trips. I pray even that you would send even groups of us overseas and see your incredible power. But God, not only overseas, but here as well. Help us enter into your purposes more this year. I pray for even those who have businesses in here, that, Lord, um, you would use their business as a doorway of the gospel, that when uh, customers come in, they sense the glory of God, the goodness of God. And, God, you give um, Sam and others who are owning businesses the strategic ways to reach them. If it's through a flyer, if it's just whatever you want to do, Lord, I just pray you give them divine ideas this year to be such an awesome witness wherever they're planted. God, we thank you for the businesses. We thank you that you use these vehicles for your glory as well. Thank you, Father. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Well, you have house church leaders. If you 